I've published five issues of this. I love them. I think they're great. Uh, it's been wonderful to be able to connect with other writers, to be able to kind of share their work. Welcome to another You May Contribute a Verse. Team Versi is Brenna Jennerett, author and outdoors mom, John Seymour, editor, author, illustrator, and data guy, and me, Josh Munkin, science communicator, dad, and author who may submit something to our next guest soon. For the sake of the mystery of it, I'm going to go ahead and talk as though you aren't familiar with today's guest, Claire Taylor, who leads up Little Thoughts Press magazine. I'm going to maintain the mystery and also this time ask you to hold off Googling until the end so we can do our post-ad fall issue theme reveal with the amount of pomp and circumstance it merits. Little Thoughts has exploded onto the kidlet scene and is a lovingly illustrated and edited semi-annual compilation with contributions across the kidlet space. We talk a lot about the creation and curation of the magazine, of course, and of Claire's own debut, forthcoming from Golden Fleece Press, titled Benjamin's Sad Day. Enjoy our chat with Claire Taylor. But real quick, let's talk about some upcoming kidlet hive stuff from uh, sponsor Justin Colon. Uh, first up is a six-session online class hosted by Karen Boss, senior editor at Charles Bridge. Her class, titled From Idea to Publication, Creating, Crafting, Revising, and Demystifying Children's Publishing, will take us from getting a new idea, polishing it into a quality manuscript, into selling the story, and finally seeing it on the shelf. These six early evening sessions will give you a deeper look into how to craft a stronger story, hosted by a seasoned workshop presenter and class hoster in Karen. I am here to also shout out the immense value provided by Justin's editorial services, new, uh, newly available on kidlethive.com. Let's keep him busy, folks, because what you get from his range of affordable services from pitch and query critiques to Zoom meetings is top-notch advice designed to represent the level and detail of thoughts you might get from agents and editors in their own feedback. Check out Karen's session and Justin's editorial services and everything coming up at kidlithive.com. And now here is Claire Taylor's verse. The magazine website says you're in Maryland. Yep, Maryland. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. You've just been like the rest of of us. Yes, yes, I have. I have. This is actually a a fairly new mug for me because I got this mug when we were in Seattle. And I just, I don't care that much about Starbucks, but like the weight of it and the handle is like so great. It was like my mm. favorite coffee mug. And I, uh, last year, like dropped it while like carrying it along with a bunch of stuff, like back to the kitchen and was like devastated. So my husband got this as like a replacement for me for my birthday this year. <laughs> oh, that's, that's really sweet. Yeah. It's, a, it's the, same, it the mug. same mug. Yeah. He just like found it, found it on like eBay wow. or something. Oh, oh yeah. that. That's amazing. I And I know what you mean about the weight. Like, my husband has a thing about that, too. He's just like, I don't know. He's like, just feels good. I'm like, yes, okay. it's just, you know, like the right, the white, the right weight and like the right handle. Like my fingers don't feel too crunched in it. So yeah. <laughs> like if you feel the need to bash anybody in the face with your coffee exactly. mug, like that's right. the one to choose. That's not, I, I picked the same thing. Ooh, my New Orleans mug with that, a skull. That would be a very like, good bashing somebody in the face mug. Yeah. Well, yeah, speaking sure. speaking of mugs that we have broken and we loved. <laughs> yeah. Of well, <laughs> I wanted to add. I so I got this mug that I thought was amazing and I loved it. It was like it was like an extra big mug too. Uh, when we first moved into this house, and it only lasted like a couple of weeks because let me tell you about this mug. It said, "I'm a big dill." It had a big picture of a pickle on it. And the handle was also a big pickle, but it was like too big, I think, for the mug. So the handle broke off like immediately. And I was so bummed. (laughs) We did not replace it because it was really poorly made. Obviously, it was it was not it did not feel good. The weight was not good, but I thought it was so funny and such a good pun. Yeah. So I was bummed that it broke. Not good for smashing in the face either, because I don't think it would have done any damage. I feel like the the mug would have gone flying and I would have been standing there with the handle like like an idiot and whoever was trying to attack me it would have attacked so right might have flown <laughs> back in your own face or laughed because yeah you're, you know laughed because you're yeah something i don't know it wasn't good hi <laughs> this yeah. coffee mug hour our, our guest today is claire taylor <laughs> yeah right uh, we are the hosts i'm brenna jenneret josh munkin <laughs> welcome welcome everybody this is actually a different podcast than coffee mug hour 
but everybody should know that by, you know, having clicked on the link to listen to it. So welcome, Claire. Yeah. It's a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being so flexible with your schedule today. And, and also huge congratulations on the new baby. That's got to be you. exciting. And also, I mean, I, I get that you're probably just not sleeping very much and like, it's a whole, it's a whole whirlwind. Yeah. It's going okay. He, you know, he does okay. <laughs> yeah. Is he, is he your, no, is he he's your debut? Second baby. Yeah, I have a six-year-old as uh, well. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. So he... He's he's out of print. The <laughs> yeah. six-year-old. So we're, we're trying. Luckily, we don't have a, good enough memories to do to direct a comparison. So each time we're like, was it another one like this or like that? You know. So it makes it a little bit so that we're not uh, you know trying to figure out who's the better baby constantly <laughs> or the other one. <laughs> As a as a parent with a nine year old and a six year old, those those comparisons uh, become extremely evident when uh, you find yourself without any ability to parent the second one because you you don't yeah. have any baseline. <laughs> um, so. Nice, yeah, I've totally like your brain has just been wiped, like uh, like the Men in Black, like they just have like wiped your memory. That's what it feels yeah. like a little yeah. bit, yeah. Um, so let's let's chat about little thoughts. I I just I mean that magazine is so. What's the word? It, I feel like it just has like come crashing into the scene in like the best way. Like I feel like everybody is like aware of it, and it has made a name for itself in like a really short amount of time. Uh, why Why don't you start by telling us like what like how it came to fruition and like what that was how it, how that went? Sure. Um, well, so it started actually as like a monthly newsletter um, that I began like basically right as like the pandemic um, started kind of in response to the pandemic, I'd had um, a a picture book agent and like a couple of books and stuff that had gone out on submission and nothing kind of came from them. And then my agent dropped me and I got left with tons and tons of like picture book manuscripts that I like didn't really have anything to do with um, and didn't really have like the heart or the energy to kind of go back and um, kind of do the whole querying thing um, for a while. And then when the pandemic started, I really didn't have the energy to do that. Um, Tracking that back, you had a toddler yes, at that time. Yeah. If time yeah my son me was at three yeah. when the pandemic started. Um, so uh, I just had all these stories and wanted to kind of do something with them and also do something to kind of help friends and other people I knew who had little kids. Like suddenly we were like, stuck at home with our kids with nothing to do. We couldn't go to playgrounds or, um, you know, little mommy and me classes or all that kind of stuff that you, you know, that organizes your day when you have a little kid. Um, so I started releasing this kind of monthly newsletter and it would have a story or a poem that I had written and like a little, like, you know, library book recommendation, like something that my son and I had read that he enjoyed and, Um, a little kind of activity suggestion, like a little kind of treasure hunt, like nature treasure hunt or a little, you know, kind of craft project, you know, just something kind of simple. Um, And then I sent them, I had it um, as a kind of a, just a digital thing at first sent by email. And then I started um, getting them printed and sending them by mail because kids love to get mail. And I thought this would be kind of like a fun thing that kids can look forward to each month, Uh just a little bit of brightness at this time that felt like, kind of just overwhelming and scary. Um, So that's kind of where it started. It originated there. And then um, I ran out of stories that I had already written. So then each month I was having to like write a new story for the newsletter or a new poem and kind of come up with some new ideas that got me back into the habit of kind of writing picture books and um, kid lit again. Um, And then I had so many of those built up that I decided to Um, put them together and kind of just self-publish them as a collection. So I have like a little, my own kind of self-published collection of those stories and poems. Um, And doing that, working with um, the illustrator that I worked with and just sort of putting that together for a publication was was really fun. Um, And I thought it might be kind of fun to continue that and to do that more. And I wanted to kind of find a way to incorporate kids into it a little bit more. So that's kind of where the idea for the magazine came from, both something that would open me up to and connect me with other kid lit writers and give other um, 
writers an opportunity for publication, but also would bring kids into it. I wrote a lot when I was a kid. I had like my first poem ever was published in Highlights magazine, which is like remains like the absolute thrill of my life to have had <laughs> It's, it's all downhill exactly, from here, right? Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to be able to kind of publish kids because it's very exciting to see your work in print when you're a kid and um, to kind of hold that in your hands and have that sort of experience. Um, but also just to really kind of provide another publishing outlet for kid lit writers too, because, you know, there are like thousands and thousands of little journals print and online um, for adult writing, poetry and flash and short stories and all sorts of stuff. There just aren't that many outlets for, you know, children's writing. Um, And so I found, you know, I had all of these stories and I, you know, the kind of option was either try to find an agent again, try to send them to an independent, you know, like publishing um, group or try to find some, kind of online or print, you know, magazine that would do it. And there just weren't that many options. There seemed to have in the short time since I started Little Thoughts Press, there seemed to have been a lot more that have kind of come online, um, which is great. Um, But the options were really limited for a while. And so it was nice to be able to provide like another um, publication out there that people could send things to because not everything needs to be a book. (laughs) And it feels like when you write for kids, um, it's all geared towards publishing books, picture books and all of that. Um, But not every manuscript is right for that or needs to be that. You, well, yeah. So you're segueing into a question, a a big question that I had about the way that you treated your stories, which is, um, I mean, this is this is kind of a two-parter exploration. I mean, wh- where do you... Um, I know Little Thoughts evolved over time, but wh- where does the skill set come from for you to sort of uh, put together and curate a, a magazine? Do you have the, a background that sort of like readies you for no, that? No, not really at all. Um, I'm not especially like tech savvy. I don't have... Um, any like design experience. I'm not like a, you know, graphic design is my passion in either like a true way or a meme sort of way. Um, (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. (laughs) I feel that. (laughs) Um, I just kind of, kind of cobbled it, the skills together, sort of working on doing the, um, putting the book together. Um, And I don't even use like any kind of like really, fancy or high-tech program for it like I think like ideally like I would use like Adobe InDesign or something like that but I briefly Mm -hmm. looked into trying to learn how to do that and I was like this feels too complicated Uh, yeah I I was like I can't even wrap my head around this Mm -hmm. um so I use um just I just use Canva um like the Canva Pro series to to do the book because it's fairly you know, self-explanatory and anything that I don't know how to do, I just kind of Google search it and then kind of fiddle around with it until it looks right. Um, So there's certainly some trial and error, but because I had been designing the newsletter first, you know, I kind of had worked out some of the kinks as far as like how things are supposed Mm -hmm. to be kind of formatted and set up on the page and all of that. Um, But if I had to do anything too complicated, um, I would certainly run into the end of my ability and knowledge about how to design something for the page, for sure. And and burn yourself out in, in stretching into this area that yeah. you're not really comfortable with. I mean, that's that's a good point is, you know, use use the tools and the skill sets and do 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 what you're um, do what you're passionate about, but in a way that doesn't sort of force you into. Yeah. And what's areas. nice about Kidlet, too, is because it tends to be sort of, you know, a lot of kind of lighter and funnier stuff and it's, you know, made for kids. You can get a lot of those design elements just by like changing fonts and kind of using, you know, kind of uh, different, you know, kind of fonts stylistically throughout the magazine. And it doesn't have to be, um, it doesn't need to have the same kind of formality um, and sort of like rigid structure. Like a lot of stuff can be kind of put on the page in different ways. So if I can't figure out quite how to fit something in like a traditional kind of margins. Cause I just, you know, I just don't know how to do it. Like I just kind of change how it's kind of formatted and fiddle around with it and kind of make it like a little more fun with like some graphics thrown in and that kind of thing. Um, so it lends itself yeah. to um, not having to be particularly good at it. 
<laughs> there's a lot of room to play around with it just because of the genre. <laughs> well, I sure. I love to because I mean this magazine is a true testament to like sort of learning on the job, which a lot of us are doing because, you know, you sort of jump into picture books because you have an affinity for writing and for kids. So like, you know, not everybody comes from a kid lit background or even a writing background necessarily. And so a lot of it is just like jumping in and just seeing what happens. And so, I mean, this is like a, like a true testament of that. Like Josh, I don't know if you saw the last, the last edition, but I have it here. It's like it's really cute, uh huh. So shiny, and it's like I mean I love I love the um the cover on it and like the yeah like the table of contents and it's just it's like what you're saying like it's very like it's like bright and fun and simple and just like I I I love that it's um that it just is like very kid accessible and like I said at the at the top of the episode. I mean, it has quickly become sort of like a sought-after publication to be a part of at, in the Kidlet community. Because here, yeah, I mean, I think of it as like it's like Little Thoughts, um, <laughs> the toy, and like Dirigible. Like some of those are sort of, you know like sort of like the top tier. Like people people are like constantly talking about when you know like the next one is coming around. So oh, I mean, so nice and then and then highlights. Like I mean, as yeah, a highlights tier. is like. Yeah, there's little thoughts and highlights somewhere down here. If you've even heard of that, I mean. Yeah. But I just, right. I, I mean, I think I think it's important because I, I feel like if you're if you're the one making it, like you don't always know or you don't always get that feedback, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, people are talking about it. So it's like, you That's know, so well done. It's, yeah, it's a great yeah. magazine and like a, a really essential piece of the Kidlet community now. For for the for the listening audience, Claire's made several <laughs> chef's faces uh, in the last yeah. two minutes. <laughs> um, I should I should throw out there for the covers. I have nothing to do with the the covers. I have zero artistic ability. Mm. Um, Rachel Harbert does all of our covers. She did the illustrations for my collection. I've got um, a picture book that is set to come out kind of end of this year or next year. She's doing the illustrations for that. I have I have absolutely no artistic ability um but she makes incredible covers um for the magazine they're my my favorite part apart from you know the gorgeous writing but like they i think they'd be nothing without those covers um in terms of like people wanting to be published in them and everything um she just makes them look so beautiful so full credit to her there i can take no credit for the cover they're, very, <laughs> they're beautiful and the, and they're very um they're very three-dimensional and evocative in a way i'm sure this this is intentional on rachel's part but in a way that is i mean again really kid accessible it looks collagey like like an adult version of something that you would make in you know the art camp that my kids are in 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 the best in the best Mm. way yeah like you want different things Um, it's like you want to get into the picture Mm -hmm. it sort of invites you in like josh was saying like a like a three-dimensional yeah it's like it sort of is like coming off the page and yeah it's so bright and colorful and just like anyways i can we can we ask you about your book that's coming out and how you partnered together and and what what that's all about sure um so my book is um, Benjamin's Sad Day is the title of it. And so it, it's the book that actually got me my um, agent initially. And um, it went out on sub and it kind of did the whole thing where it kind of can, goes, you know, gets a thousand rejections basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, got kind of through a couple rounds at a couple different places um, all those sort of, you know, heartbreaking steps and trying to get something published and then ultimately failing to have it happen. Um, and then after that, when we, when my agent kind of broke ties with me, it was just sort of like I had had that book and another one that we tried to get published and it just wasn't really going anywhere. And um, so that relationship ended. Um, and so I sent Benjamin Sad Day out to just a bunch of like kind of small publishers just because I, I liked it and I wanted something to happen with it. Um, and I would say like two and a half years after I did that, I finally got an email back from one of them. Um, just very surprising. Um, so they're saying, is this still, you know, is this still available? Like basically we'd gone through an entire global pandemic in that time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
They can exactly, be forgiven. They were exactly. losing too. And they got back to me. I feel like so much of this is you just never hear anything. Um, That's so rough, it, was, yeah. it was very surprising because I had assumed, of course, oh, I just won't hear back from anybody. Nobody wants this book. Um, so it was a lovely, lovely surprise. And they're a little group out of um, Northern Virginia, so close by. And so that's fun. Um, and they have, I guess, a, uh, um, a like an illustrator that they've used for other books that they've published. But um, that they were going to maybe be on like maternity leave or sabbatical. I can't remember quite what it was. And so they had asked me if I knew any illustrators or wanted to work with anyone in particular. And I was like, yes, like, let me, let me work with Rachel. Um, we've, you know, worked together on other things. She makes wow. you know, gorgeous art. I kind of love her style and everything like that. And I, you know, we know how to work together and kind of talk it through. And because we had done Benjamin sad day does appear in my, little collection. And so she had done kind of like a little picture to kind of go with it in there. And so we already kind of had talked about the story and all of that. Um, and so, uh, I kind of asked her, do you want to do this? She's not in, really an illustrator by trade or anything. Um, so when I, um, asked her to do the collection with me and then brought her on as the cover artist for little thoughts, that was sort of her sort of introduction to kind of doing, um, any art in that way where it was kind of out there for people's, you know, view and judgment. Um, but so it's been really nice. We're kind of going through the process together as sort of like a new thing for each of us. Um, so yeah, so that's supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out maybe sometime this year and then got kind of a little bit delayed in the process as these things often do. And so I think probably sometime next year, um, it'll be out and it's just, um, a story about a little boy who, wakes up one day feeling really, really sad. And he tries all of these different um, ways to kind of reverse his sadness or escape his sadness or hide from it. And then ultimately he has to confront it um, in order to move on from it. So that's kind of the, the idea behind the story. Yes. Super relatable. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Like, I'm surprised it got so many rejections because that's, you know, everybody is looking for SEL books and like, you know, talking about big feelings and emotions and sort of like how to work through them. So I'm so glad it finally got yeah. picked up. And also, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say part of the reason it got rejected, I think, so many times is because a lot of places said, oh, we already kind of have a book like mm. this on our list. I had one place that went through a few different um, rounds you know, through their kind of editorial team and then ultimately got rejected because they had a book that was similar coming out in their UK branch. Um, so, you know, it was kind of like this will sort of compete with that. So all these things where it's like you don't you don't realize how many kind of little things can uh, ruin the publication for you. <laughs> like all these little things. That's com thoughts. completely out of your hands. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's a real learning experience to have a book out on sub and realize, oh, I so little of this comes down to whether or not, you know, people think my book is good. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I, but before we get too far off this point, um, I, I want to ask about whether whether or not this was a factor. So you had you had mm -hmm. your collection that you had self-published mm -hmm. with Rachel uh, and Benjamin Sad Day was was part of that. Was it was that a factor in your negotiation? Um, with so your publisher only in that they were concerned if I had published it through like Ingram Spark or like um, Amazon self-publishing platform that there would be some rights tied up in that. But I had not published it that way. I just did it like a small print run, um, you know, through you know, yeah style. Um, yeah. So I you know have all the rights. Like nobody else had any rights to the story. Um, but it because it was a small enough run, it's not like oh, this story is, you know, out there and like there'd be no, you know, purpose mm. in, you know, kind of publishing it again. Um, so, yeah, so they're kind of pulling it out as a standalone. But, yeah, when they contacted me, I was like, mm, in the interim, since I originally sent this, I have published it in this collection. Um, so that was the only concern was how did I self-publish it and who might have rights tied in. A, the, and Yeah, that's what you get for waiting <laughs> two and a half years. <laughs> and, and to be clear, I mean, that is the same about, anything published in little thoughts also i mean people like you still retain your rights and you can you can take those stories and go wild. yeah i don't yeah. i don't care what you do with them <laughs> yeah no i just <laughs> i just yes. wanted to put that out there for anyone listening you know who might yes. want to submit or is you know in that same boat or whatever like it just yeah i yes. and i i know that from you know being published in the last edition i just yeah i was just saying it for <laughs> for the audience sake yeah 
Thank you for sharing your work with Little Thoughts. Feel free to share it around anywhere else as well. Yeah. 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 We'll use it. We don't care what <laughs> yeah, happens after exactly. that. Um, I, so here's this, uh, the second part to my question I asked like 10, 10 minutes ago. Um, it's a good, a good sort of segue into like the submissions process and how you think about like co-opting it for the magazine and sort of how, how you think about changes that you may have made to, um, to Sad Day. I mean, when, when you are taking your old stories and co-opting them either for the newsletter in the early days or, you know, your stuff that, that's going in the magazine now, uh, or even Sad Day, uh, are you are you doing heavy edits to those stories to make them magazine to, to ready? my work? Because I, I mean, yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, and and I ask that because so much of uh, of how we think about picture books is mm-hmm. structure based is thirty two or forty pages. You know, the beats have to happen at a certain place. We're not thinking about this in terms of the entire story appears on one right. or maybe two pages. Yeah. So when I first started writing picture books and um, kind of trying to send them out and querying people like one of the things that I had to get better at um was like removing text and sort of allowing for in my mind and then also on the page the idea that like the art does a lot of the storytelling like I'm used to the words doing the storytelling like I you know I write you know fiction and stuff for adults too and they are you know it's all about sort of describing, you know, the scene and everything like that. Whereas in picture books, a lot of the time the scene is there in the artwork and you don't need all of that, um, you know, kind of extra, you know, description and everything. So I had to get better about doing that in terms of like actually subbing um, and querying with picture books, but then to put them in the collection or to put them in the magazine, I wasn't, I wasn't going to have it illustrated the way a picture book would where, you know, every, you know, page has its own image and every different scene in the book has its own image. It's just going to be like kind of one overall picture to sort of represent the book um, or to represent the story in the collection. And so a lot of those I then had to kind of go back in and reinsert a little more description and fill out the story a little bit more to essentially kind of put the words back in to replace what the images would have done. Um, like, un- yeah, un- essentially. Yeah. Um, and so with the magazine, uh, oftentimes like uh, I'll get some submissions that are really like lovely, wonderful submissions, but they really require artwork to, you know, for like the twist or for like the, you know, kind of the punch of the story. And like, we just can't do that. Cause I can't, you know, Rachel doesn't have the kind of time or capacity and I don't really have the kind of publishing time to do specific artwork, you know, very specific images for each story. Um, So a lot of times I end up having to decline stories that I really like in part because it's like, we just, we, this is a story that needs to be paired with images and we don't have the ability to do that in the same way. So stories that are written more, with kind of the text doing the work of what artwork traditionally would do in a picture book, those are more likely to get accepted than ones that kind of follow a more traditional picture book structure. Um, So essentially if you were to think of them as like short stories for very little kids rather than necessarily like picture books, that tends to be more kind of what we end up publishing um, in the magazine just because that's what the format allows for. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's similar when you're going from like I recently wrote a chapter book and I had you know I primarily have written picture books up mm-hmm. to this point, but it, it's sort of similar because you don't have as much artwork in a chapter book. Like there's some there's like splashes right. to maybe like emphasize or you know set the scene or whatever, but that's not necessarily up to you what you know illustrations go in so I I was careful to not really put in any and sort of but I was like shoot I have to let them know what's going on like I can't just like you know I can't just write like the dialogue or whatever so like going back and like Josh was saying sort of unediting and adding in like the scenes and stuff is a really interesting like exercise almost because it's it's just a different way of writing which just highlights how how different and interesting picture books are to write yeah, like we've had some submissions where like they'll come with like a lot of art notes or something. Um, I'm trying to think of like what a good example would be, but there'll be something where like it'll have an art note where like, you know, it'll say like 
they see a sign and the sign reads, you know, the following. And so that's like one of those where, like I'll say, I can take this story, but we've got to turn this sign into like spoken dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. Like one of these characters needs to read this sign because we're not going to have an image of this sign with the story. So that's fine. We just got to incorporate it into the story. Um, But if we have, if I get a submission where like just too much of it, you know, requires kind of art notes or too many images to like really fill out and have the story make sense. Like if the story just can't stand on its own and you can't easily insert that information in a way that feels natural, then that's a story I can't really publish because yeah, it's just it would be lost. The reader would be lost because uh, not everything is there. Yeah. And like any other filter, I mean, you don't, you get far more submissions than yeah. you can accommodate and there's just no capacity. So you're, you're, you're passing in the same way that, you know, you, you are passed on, uh, yeah, with picture it's, books. It's... um, just, but just because you don't like, I can't, I can't handhold through the process, you know, no offense. Right. Yeah. Obviously. Um, yeah. And I feel, I, I, I feel so bad about it every time I have to pass on something, especially if it's something that I really, mm-hmm. really like. Um, uh, but it also, in, in doing this um, has really taught me a lot in terms of like my own work and like not letting um, declines get to me quite as much mm-hmm. because you sort of realize, you know, maybe, maybe they read it and they were like, this is garbage. Like, I absolutely don't want this, this story. You sent us there. <laughs> um, but, and so like that, that's what my mind wants to tell me that like an editor read the piece and was like, um, but no. <laughs> But I have now realized being on the other end of things that so often it's like I already have, you know, three other pieces that are around the same length and I only have a certain number of pages for this issue. Or I already have many pieces that kind of hit on this topic um, and, you know, I don't want that to kind of overload the theme or, you know, yeah, there's this one relies a little too much on artwork or this Mm. one feels a little too old, you know, in grouping it with the other pieces. So like, it'll sort of stick out as being, you know, not, not quite in concert and conversation with the other ones that I've already chosen for this edition. Like there's just so many little things that kind of go into the decision that it makes it easier than reflecting on my own work to be like, it, it might not be that they don't like the story. It may just be that, yeah, it's not, not the right fit for what they're trying to do this time. Mm -hmm. I mean, oftentimes it's probably that they don't like some of my stories, but <laughs> but that's fine. You probably have to. You probably also have to go occasionally. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, there's a submission um, or two. Yeah, I wish I had more time to kind of respond to people um, and kind of not give like you know uh, like editing feedback or tips, but to be able to say to people like, I really loved this. It just like didn't you know, quite work for this theme or it didn't quite match up with the other stuff I had, or I already had a bunch of the, you know, I don't know if that would be helpful. Everybody has a different opinion of like what they want to see in a rejection. And I think it all really comes down to that. Nobody wants their work to be rejected. (laughs) (laughs) So everybody's like, you know, I don't like it when they say this and I don't like it when they say that. And truly it's just mostly, we don't like it when people say no. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, but I do that if I, if I had a little more time, that's probably the one thing I would change is just trying to kind of personalize some of my responses a little more so I could kind of say to people, I really did love this. Um, and, you know, or I think this should be a standalone book. Like a lot of them, I think, could be standalone books. So. It... Well, just start yeah. your own publishing house for all the <laughs> yeah. ones that don't quite fit, but that you want to work on right. with your abundant it does give It does give a little bit of like cadence and insight to it's not right for my list. Like, I, I feel like, you know, like every editor says that and you're just like, what does that mean? You know, and I think a lot of times, like you're saying, it really does mean like it, it's sort of a catch all for like, yeah, I like this, but I've got something else or this writing was amazing. But, it you know, like the theme isn't right for me or whatever. And it sort of just catches, you know, all of that in one yeah. and not in a way that is you know, to be taken in a negative way necessarily. It just, you know, it be, it became sort of the, the catch all catchphrase for every editor be, be, you know, for a reason. So I think, I think a lot of that is true. Yeah. It's helpful to hear that too, from, from both, both sides of the coin. Like this is actually what's happening. Cause I, 
Actually, I was going to ask. There is a question in here. So um, on that on that note, <laughs> um, because you do get so many submissions now, I know that you do have at least one other person on the team, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I always say her last name wrong. Yes. Carrie, yes, our yes, buddy, Carrie, Carrie Farron. Yeah. <laughs> but she, um, yeah, I know she's part of like helping you sort of like, what, you know, edit and, and read stuff. So yeah. Um, how did that happen? Like, how did you expand your team and what does that look like now? Um, so <laughs> Carrie is like a, a textbook example of shoot your shot, I guess, because she reached out to me um, and I had I um, published um, some of her poems in our second issue um, and um, had kind of reached out to her to do like an, you know, one of the interviews that we do on the website and all of that. Um, and just I really liked her um, pieces that we published and um one in particular that she had done kind of like about, you know, a tree becoming a house and all this stuff was just very, very lovely. Um, and had kind of said, said that to her. And so we had kind of gone back and forth through email a couple of times because we were doing the interview and stuff as well. And she just kind of reached out to me at one point, can't even quite remember when now, um, and said, basically, you know, if you ever need anybody to, you know, help with like reading submissions or anything like that, that, you know, she was, would like to do that. And I was kind of like, well, actually I probably could. Cause it kind of went from not that many dis- submissions to like a lot coming in, um, with each issue pretty quickly. Um, so we go through and she and I both, um, read through like all of the submissions that come in and sort of do like an initial kind of rating on, you know, if we're like, you know, yes, like I absolutely love this. It's perfect for the theme. Like we really got to publish this, like maybe like it, you know, kind of fits the theme, but we are likely to get a lot that kind of have this same topic, you know, the same approach to the theme or, um, you know, I loved the way it started. I didn't, you know, necessarily love how it ended or vice versa. And then ones that are just kind of like, no, this isn't even, you know, on theme at all, or, um, it's not really written for kids. That's sort of generally, if you're going to get, a no from one of us right away it's because like you you sent us something that isn't at all right for the magazine um so uh we go through we each kind of rate them and then kind of go back through and anything that gets like a initial yes from both of us is basically in the magazine for um that issue and then we kind of go through and kind of figure out um through kind of second round ratings like what what we'll put in from like the maybes or one of us said maybe, and one of us said yes. And we'll kind of, you know, sometimes discuss those or um, kind of figure out like what fits with the pieces that we've now selected um, kind of what is going to work for those um, in terms of filling out the magazine, giving a good variety for the theme, but also kind of making it feel kind of cohesive and all of that. Um, so ultimately I, I make sort of like the final selections, but I'm often sort of reaching out to her. Like I'm kind of going back and forth between these two, like, you know, what do you, what do you think? And we kind of, um, we'll kind of discuss that, uh, if there's sort of a question of a particular piece, like, does it really fit? Is it too much? We don't really need another story or we desperately need one more story, but none of these were like double yeses for any of us. So let's decide like which one we like the most and all of that. Um, so it's been, she's been great to work with. So how many submissions are you getting for each, for each magazine now or each, each call? Um, it, some of it depends, I think on the theme. I got a lot of submissions for our fall theme last year, the, um, autumn monopia. Mm. Uh, I entered that one. Yeah. That was a fun one. (laughs) Yeah. People really liked that. We got a ton of submissions for that. Um, so I we I set up the submissions in two different ways. So I've got one um, submission portal for like young writers, so anyone twelve and under, um, and then one for everybody else. Um, and part of the reason I do that is because I want each uh, issue to have like you know a certain number of pieces from young writers, and um, so I you know kind of put them separate ones so that I can know that they're young writers because if you know a six-year-old sends me a poem and I'm directly comparing it to somebody who's been writing kid lit for most of their life and has published like four picture books. It's not really fair. Right. Um, <laughs> so I'd like to have them separated for that reason, but also just so that we can kind of figure out like, okay, I want, you know, X number from young creatives and then we'll kind of decide how many we can fit from the other pool of submissions. Um, so I would say, 
I, I'd have to go back and look, but I think we, like the the most we've gotten all in, and this would be like number of people submitting because you can submit multiple pieces. Like I think um, I have it like you can submit like up to two stories and three poems and like a piece of artwork. Um, so I'd say I've had like between like 150 to 200 like submitters. Um, and then a lot of those people will send, you know, more than one piece to consider. Um, so that's kind of about where the highest we've been. And I imagine um, maybe a tenth of that appears. Yeah. Right? Say, like for those unfamiliar, like what's the number? Yeah. So um, I think, again, I think our fall, that fall issue was probably our biggest one in terms of like the number of pieces I put in, in part because we got a lot of um, artwork as well. So I had a lot of um, uh, additional um, contributors because for people who sent in illustrations and I think in that one, we had maybe like 24 to 26 contributors. And um, oftentimes, if somebody sends multiple pieces, I'll take maybe two at most. There are a few people who will send in like very kind of short poems. And like, I'll often take kind of three of those if they're short, because they mm-hmm. kind of go together and kind of form like a little kind of triptych of, you know, poems on the theme. Um but usually, you know, if you're sending something in, it's, I'm usually taking one thing, sometimes two, um, very rarely three of your pieces if they come in. Um, sometimes I'll do like if you send a story and poems and I like one of your stories and I also like one of the poems. Like if I know I'm going to take the story, I might throw the poem into if it's, mm. you know, a little bit different or um, kind of gives a different take on the theme. But, yeah, I think that was our biggest one at like 24 to 26 contributors. So. Yeah, I was just, I was looking at the um, table of contents at the the spring one, but mm-hmm. I think like you're saying, I, I wasn't looking at everybody's name, but I think there are people who submitted and had multiple things, but there's right. 33 pieces in pieces, here. Yeah. But yeah, I think like you're saying, there's, there's multiple submissions from, from mm-hmm. each person, but um, yeah. Um, so when is the next open call for for um the magazine because i because i know right like you've got a lot going on right now just had to be yes like (laughs) (laughs) yeah this year i'm only doing um two issues um just because i couldn't take on um anything kind of really through the spring and summer um it's important to me to not get too far off like a schedule that I promised to contributors, mm. like in terms of like, this is what the submission window is going to be. This is how quickly I'm going to respond. And this is how soon afterwards, like I'll be able to kind of publish. Um, mostly just because from my own experience, you can kind of sit, turn in your wheels as somebody who's had something accepted for a pretty long time, or yeah. you sit waiting for a very long time to hear back. I was going to um, say on behalf of all contributors, like we very much appreciate that it's like a timeline that you, that you can count on. Yeah. Right yeah. On. Yeah. So I try to be very realistic about, about my own, you know, ability, ability to hit those kind of timelines. Um, but, and so this year I was kind of like, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do it with any real expediency. Um, so we're just doing the two issues this year. We did the, yeah, the new beginnings one at the start of the year. And then um, I'll publish another one in the fall, which I think Carrie and I were just going back and forth about some themes. And I think we've settled on a theme that I'll be putting um, up on the website pretty soon, probably in the next couple of weeks. And then I think the submissions will open um, kind of mid-August. Um, and I usually run the submissions for like the open window for like 30 to 45 days. Um, most likely this time around, it will be 30 days um, just because, um, again, I've got a, a lot on my plate. So that will make it maybe so that I don't get quite as many um, submissions yeah. just kind of in my, you know, kind of ease back into it a little bit. Um, and then my hope is that it'll then um, the issue will then publish sometime in November. So that's the basic time frame. Okay. Uh, we're going to pause here in the middle of the episode before the reveal of the theme for the next issue of Little Thoughts. Just 
for the simple theatrics of it and because I needed a place to insert our uh, reviews and shout outs. Um, so we'll take a moment and then we'll reveal the theme for the next issue. Um, but first, we're going to do a couple of book reviews for our choices for the week. Brenna's review this week is for, and I kid you not, this is an actual title of a book, Sometimes I Grumble Squinch by Rachel Vale and illustrated by Hyewon Yum. Heartfelt, check. Socio-emotional learning, check. Vibrant illustrations, checkity check. The book even makes up a word to describe the very relatable way the main character feels about her increasingly annoying yet adorable brother. And better yet, my son, or Brenna's son, I should say, who can usually spot a lesson teaching book a mile away, asks for this one again and again, which is a ringing endorsement if I've ever heard one myself. John's review for the week is Boop by B. Birdsong and illustrated by Lindsay Hunter. What's better than a book about puppers? How about a book about puppers that's silly, engaging, and wonderfully illustrated? Boop, written by B. Saw... I'm just going to leave that in. <laughs> Boop, written by B. Birdsong and illustrated by Lindsay Hunter, will bring a smile to readers of any age with a clever and highly interactive story paired with vibrant and colorful illustrations. In the immortal words of Lord of the Rings' Boromir, one does not simply see a pupper without booping one's snoot. I think that might be paraphrased. And even if you don't have a canine friend around, there's still plenty of booping to do. What you would boop, I don't know. Um, from my review, first a story. Uh, my book's not going to be uh, unfamiliar to a lot of you, but I was picking up some books at our local branch a couple of days ago, and a mom passingly asked what kinds of books we liked in our house. Funny stuff, I confidently and concisely responded as I was picking up Shea Bob by Bob Shea. We in our house swear by this book. Much to my satisfaction, this mom also picked up another copy. Uh, really like a real world um, uh, review worked out uh, for us, which was very validating. I don't need to deeply endorse Bob Shea. His work kind of speaks for itself, but the standout hit of this book to me is the way he models an effective, unreliable narrator who experiences distinct character growth over a short time, all while being both visually and verbally hilarious. Okay, so this part's unscripted. Um, I wanted to uh, just take a moment for our shout out section to acknowledge a milestone that the podcast has hit recently. Um, this does not coincide completely with the milestone, but it's close enough to it that it bears going into. The shout out that we wanted to do this episode is for all of you. All of you who have over the last four years of the existence of this podcast, from the time in which I struggled to do it by myself to the point at which Brenna and I joined forces to the point recently uh, in which uh, John started uh, helping us uh, with the lifting of the editing and organization. Um, for any of you who has joined us on this journey, thank you so much. I'm, I'm phrasing this like it's some sort of ending of the podcast, but it's not, but we have hit a milestone. We we were notified by, by our podcasting hosting uh, service Podbean that we have hit 10,000 downloads of this little podcast. And to think that our words, these words that I'm saying right now are reaching um, as many ears every time we release an episode, um, it's just, it's so, in, it's so incredibly validating and um, I'm honored. I've, I say this on social media every chance I get, but I'm honored and on behalf of Brenna and John, we, the three of us, are honored to uh, share in some part of your growth as a kid-lit um, author, illustrator, or just someone who likes to listen to us. So um, our shout out this week is for all of you who have chosen to uh, join us on this journey. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And now back to our conversation with Claire Taylor. So I think what we've settled on is uh, Fantastical Fall, Ooh. so sort of fantasy stories, fairy tales, fantasy elements, anything that sort of hits that that fantasy realm, um, which, I, yeah, I mean, so I was very excited about that one. Um, I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm less a fantasy person. Uh, like I don't read a ton of fantasy or anything like that, but I'm excited to kind of see um, what, what comes from it. Um, so. I, yeah, I love, like, 
I, okay, first of all, I love a contest. Like, I'm a sucker for a contest. I also, like... Contests the, are big in the kid-lit world. So big, right? <laughs> but I also love, like, um, you know, reading reading the submissions afterwards because it's so true. Like, I know a lot of people, myself included, when I first started writing for kid-lit, you know, you get nervous about, like, sharing ideas or concepts or, you know, just talking about, like, what it is you're going to write about. Mm-hmm. But it so doesn't matter because you put out, you know, this is just two words, fall fantasy, right? Like those two words. And it could conjure up like anything in anybody's brain. Like it's so fun to see what people come up with because, mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way we would all come up with the same stuff. So right. it's like, uh, I don't know, that's that's a really great theme to, to put yeah. together and just to see like what comes out of it. And when I put out the themes, I do kind of put forth like a little kind of description almost. Um, But it's that I do honestly a little more for kind of younger writers just to sort of give an idea. Like here are some, you know, here are some ways you could take this, like some jumping off points and some ideas. Um, But, or for anybody who might need it, but it's not, it's not kind of a, a prescriptive thing. It's not like you need to write to one of these ideas that I've listed here in this description. Um, so I'm always excited to see, you know, what, what people bring out of it, like things that I wouldn't have thought of. And, you know, I, I will say, you know, it, it's, it's a tough line to walk because if you do something that is like a little too out there, it may be like, this is really good, but it like doesn't really match what we were thinking for the theme or it doesn't really feel quite right for this theme. But also if you approach it in a, like a very unique way, then that does make the submission really stand out, you know, among, you know, you can get, you know, 50 pieces, you know, about, you know, a new house or something like for the new beginnings mm-hmm. one. And so like something that isn't about that is going to kind of catch our eye uh, in that kind of initial round of submission reading um, just because it's like, well, this is different. Um, so there's, yeah, like I said, it's kind of, you got to kind of find that good balance between it's not, it's not too far off the theme, but it's creative enough that like there aren't, you know, a ton of other submissions that are exactly like it. Um, so I'm very interested to see what people do with the fantasy element of it all, because totally, you know, like it, do I get like, you know, a hundred Hobbit interpretations or is it like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, so I'll be, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of what comes of it again. Cause I don't, I don't do a lot of, like fantasy writing or anything like that. Um, so I don't have, I don't have a ton of like really creative ideas of my own to kind of, that I'm kind of looking to see if anybody hits on. Um, yeah. Very open to whatever comes in. Those so. are my favorite when I look at, yeah. When I look parts, at something right. though, and I'm like, I don't know what to do with that. And then, <laughs> you know, and then I've got like critique partners who are like, Oh, well I immediately had this idea and I'm like, Oh, right. Of course. Like, uh, that's awesome. Like why, you know, like how did I miss that? But you know, it's fun to see how somebody else's brain will interpret stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Even if you're, if you're stuck or sometimes that's like, um, inspiration to go off on another tangent. Cause you're like, Oh, okay. Like I sort of get where this should go now. Like I've got this great idea. Like now I can write it down. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went back and forth when I started the magazine deciding if, like, it should be themed or not. Um, and uh, because, I like, in my own submissions, like, I'm, I'm never really sure if I prefer a theme. Like, sometimes I'm like, I'd like to be able just to submit something I already have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> right, without doing a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, but I've also, some of my favorite things that I've written, I've written for specific theme calls and I would not have arrived at those stories if not for the theme. Um, so, so I do kind of like the idea of like, what, what can it kind of generate for people? And again, my thought was with kid writers too, it's can be helpful sometimes to have something to kind of structure, you know, your ideas around. So. Yeah. Cause that's, I mean, that's the world that kids live in is right. writing prompts in, uh, in writing classes and things. Yeah. So really familiar. I thought for a moment that you were saying that you, you submitted to your no, own. No. <laughs> Did you get a rejection? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, right. It just wasn't right for our list. Carrie's feeling real yeah, grumpy not, one day. And just, mine yeah, would be right, too, yeah. too lengthy. That's, that's <laughs> always my problem with writing is getting it down to a, a short enough length to meet submission requirements. Well, I think, I think for little thoughts specifically, like, 
picture book writers are so excited and they're like, okay, this is great. Like I can, I can submit something I already have, but Mm -hmm. I think like we had already mentioned, it's like, okay, I've got this thing and I think it'll really work, but I have to cut it down and I have to take art notes out so I can see how it's like a hard needle to thread. It's almost better to maybe write something new, you know, depending Mm -hmm. on like where it's starting from. But, um, no, I, I totally get that because it feels like, oh, shoot, like, I've got this thing I already poured all this time and energy into. Right. I wish I could just, you know, submit it, but then you run the risk of it not, you know, not quite fitting because it's too long or, you know, it's got the art notes or whatever. So you have to really pay attention to yeah. the guidelines. I So here's here's a thought that's that's brewing brewing in my head for my own work but bears exploring just based on other conversations we've we've had with other other guests which is um like eggs try, like try it different ways and see see what works or what doesn't i mean it, it bears um walking through that i i write my own work um and because i i write for for mm-hmm. a corporate audience i i i know who i'm writing to i write it one way in a specific structure and that's it and that's that can tend to be how i how i structure some of my picture book writing i know the format i'm going to write to that format because that's the specification that's my writing prompt um that is to say you know there there may be some healthy sort of exploration or growth in um you've got a story that's written one way uh, take out the art notes, add more description, try it as mm-hmm. a poem, try it as, you know, something else. It's something that my, like my inclinations and my instincts rejects because of the way that I think about, like, this is the story that I have to tell, but there's, there's something healthy. Yeah, I think that's that. true. I often find like, um, when I'm writing, uh, poems that if I'm really sort of like struggling to figure out like how to, kind of get the rhythm that I want or like what kind of like a finishing line should be, or just kind of how to structure it. I'll often then go back and sort of write it as prose, like full sentences and stuff like that. And then try to transfer that back into a poem. It's like, I just need Mm -hmm. like all of the ideas in their entirety out. And then I can figure out like, all right, here's, here's what I should pull out. Here's where breath should be added. You know, here's where lines should break. Um, But I need to kind of just first, have it be just kind of the entirety of the, the thought in kind of a, a, a structure that, that I tend to write more prose than poetry. So that structure works better for me, especially kind of in revising and everything. Um, so if I can kind of transfer it poem to prose and then back to poem, I often find that helps me sort of get over some of the kind of humps that I was getting stuck on. I love I love the way that you frame that as what is essentially um, rewriting or writing in a different different format is a version mm-hmm. of revising in itself to get you to think about your yeah, work in a fresh and way. Just kind of hear it differently because um, I get so caught in the way you can get really caught up in the way that you've written something the first time, and then it feels like you can't let it go. Um, yes. So putting it in a completely different format, yeah. I find, allows you to sort of let go of that sort of initial the initial sound that you've created in your head and then you can kind of revise from there. It's almost like you just need to kind of like break the spell of the piece a little bit. <laughs> so you totally. Kind of Nicely thematic with <laughs> your fall issue. There you right. go. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like that with um, bigger pieces as well, I think, because I've been working on a middle grade novel and part of like setting the scene in a way that makes sense and gets you like into the story is kind of hard at first. So you sort of just like put everything down on the page and then you're like, okay, then you go back and you like, you know, cut the first four chapters and you're like, okay, now I've got the fluff out and I can actually put down like what is necessary. But until Mm -hmm. you do that, I feel like you don't even know what's necessary all of the time. Right. Mm -hmm. At least for me, like I have to write all of that out before I understand sort of like where it's going or what, what I need. Yeah. Yeah, I struggle with, I have a middle grade novel that I'm working on as well. And I just, I think I, I know what I want the ending to be, but I like can't write it because I can't figure out like from where, what I've got now to there, like what do I want in between? And I, it's, when I'm writing much longer pieces, I struggle so much with like having to write linearly. I'm like, <laughs> you know, like the thought of like, <laughs> me write down this ending and then like work, you know, work around it in a different way. I, like I can't, like I can't do it. Um, in quite the way that I'd like to. So with that, what I started doing 
is rather than like continuing the story in like the document that I had, I started writing like each scene as if it was like a little kind of like flash fiction piece, like just its own like standalone little story. And then I was like, okay, then I can go back, put these in and then find some way to connect them or cut them or whatever it would be. But like this idea of like having to complete this one long thing just felt like I just I just can't do it. I can't get myself to do it for some reason. So breaking it down into these much smaller elements and letting each one just be its own kind of small bit that I can deal with felt a little bit easier and it's helping me kind of move on it's from the, you know where I had been stuck. Yeah, it's the it's the how do you eat an elephant mm-hmm. method of writing. It it reminds me also of the conversation we had what feels like a long time ago now with Ali Malinenko where we talked about, you know, you've got clear set pieces at the at the front and back uh that you want to mm-hmm. open and close with, which really it it works um for how how Ali writes uh with horror and scary stuff. Um but I li- I like the the term that we threw out there which is bookending. You're sort of like like filling the shelf with other little little bitty books throughout the process and you know what you know what mm-hmm. either side is going to yeah like. but yeah i find often that i need to like remove things like from the document that they were like there's just like so, like i need like a clean break from like this thing that i've been working on um and again that's the same with kind of switching its format like i just need to break away from what i thought it was yeah do it in a totally different way and then kind of come back to it yeah you're like i don't even want to look at you anymore like just yeah, kind of <laughs> you're so yeah. frustrating <laughs> right yeah because often if i'm revising i will copy and paste into a new document right and then revise from there mm-hmm. but yeah if i'm just like in it and cannot get out and need a new slate yeah then i'm just like all right look like you stay over there. I'm going to open a whole blank sh- blank sheet over here and just write from the very beginning and, you know, like with a new voice and new stuff and whatever without yeah. even looking at the old the old draft and the old structure. Because, yeah, otherwise you, just, you like, can't get out of it. You're just, like, in this, like, rut. Right. It comes kind of a nightmare when you have to then kind of <laughs> yes. go back and figure out, like, where what was I working on? Where Like, all of my documents look kind of the same. But they're right. But, Nightmare's yeah. a perfect word for that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> My writing becomes a uh, a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle exactly. with every piece, uh, you know, having the same picture. Oh my on gosh! It. Well, we Mercy. are getting close. Oh, sorry, Josh. Go ahead. Did you have another question? I was just going to ask. I just a, a no, this is not a businessy question, although it's it's just kind of a it's kind of a like how do you find yourself uh, in in the situation that you're in kind of question. I'm sure when you set off on this on this process of uh starting little thoughts you didn't anticipate necessarily the pace at which it would grow and expand and gain attention no, I and, <laughs> and this and for the for the listening audience um yeah claire's not making an aw shucks it's a wow it's a wow face um but uh, I, I guess the question i have is how do you there's no subscription model um, because like you said, there's no, like you, you're not publishing quarterly. You're not beholden to a set schedule. You do this on your own terms. I guess, how do you think about controlling the, the Claire capacity when it comes to, you know, living your life, but also having this thing that you're kind of on the hook for, uh, making sure that it continues to be successful over time? Um, that's, that's a good question. Um, I, I do have at least a background in running my own business. Um, I'm a, a massage therapist, and from like the moment I started, I opened my own practice and kind of slowly built it up over time and then sort of learned that, like, oh, here's where I let it get on top of me, and I it got like too busy, and that was too much, and then I had to scale back, and then I scaled back too much, and I had to then kind of rebalance everything. So I have from a different realm, at least some experience to draw on as far as sort of learning and knowing what my own kind of balance uh, needs to be. Um, again, kind of getting a sense of like how long, you know, each thing will take me, how much time I have to devote to it and what kind of energy and all of that. Um, so I'm not kind of coming at it, you know, kind of totally cold as far as sort of the more, I guess, business side of it. It's not I don't really think of it so much as a, a business, but, you know, it's got those sort of elements. Um, but it's certainly the case. There's a, I mean, I don't know if you guys feel this way about your own writing, but sometimes if you if you go for a long period of time without writing, you sort of start to worry, like, will I ever write again? Or, like, if I don't publish something for a long time, will 
like, will then it become like nobody will read anything that I publish in the future because like nobody will know who I am or they'll kind of forget about me. There's all this sort of stuff that goes, you know, into being a writer that is beyond just the actual like writing of something, all of these, all of these additional kind of worries and platform and all this stuff. And that is even more true with like a publication because, you know, now the thought is if I wait too long, like, you know, will people stop submitting and um, will people lose interest in it? Um, If I take too long between issues, like, well, you know, it's, you know, people who want to submit get frustrated and then they won't, you know, bother to send work in the future. Will people not like, you know, the themes we come up with? Will I run out of theme ideas? Like there's, you know, there's all those concerns. Um, And I guess the way I handle them is just to say, I've published five issues of this. I love them. I think they're great. It's been wonderful to be able to connect with other writers, to be able to kind of share their work, um, to kind of see people, you know, reading um, these magazines and have me, you know, people telling me that they enjoy it or that it was like meaningful for them to be published in it. If that's all that comes out of it, wonderful. Part of the reason I did it in print is because I knew like if at some point I have to stop, it becomes, you know, um, financially, like I can't, you know, manage the cost of sort of like printing and kind of, you know, uh, the whole production or if I need to sort of take breaks or whatever, at least there's still something like physical that people can have and hold on to that has their work in it. Um, not that like online um, publications aren't, you know, wonderful and that, you know, you feel a sense of sort of pride with them, but the, for me and maybe it's just like an age thing. <laughs> like <laughs> it feels like, you know, not less real, but more like it could disappear. On totally. Me. Yeah. Um, you know, like if somebody decided. We're the, we're the, we're the last generation that, you know, relies so yeah, much on yeah. social media. It's, it's, like there's nothing like a holding a CD. If somebody decided they wanted to, you know, stop paying their, you know, for their domain, then that work is gone for me um, in a way. Whereas if it's a physical copy, I've, I've got it no matter what. Um, so I just try to kind of hold on to that thought that, you know, the contributors and the readers of it have a copy of it. If these are the only copies I make, if I put out the next call and only, you know, 10 people submit, um, then, you know, maybe that means it's kind of on its way out and that'll be sad. But, you know, but what I've made will still be there and what everybody contributed will still be there. Um, and so that that feels good having kind of provided some outlet for people to see their work in print. That is sort of what I keeps me kind of thinking, all right, I'll try to, I'll keep up with it in whatever way that I can. Yeah. Um, but also know that if it all falls apart tomorrow, at least what, what I did is, is there and I can point to it and say, Hey, look at these things we made. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. Being, being careful to know things yeah, are not right, falling no. apart, <laughs> but just in case. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> well, Claire- the next issue is coming. You have, oh my gosh, and now there's a, there's like a, I don't know if you guys can hear that outside my window. There's like a beeping. Anyway, it's our, it's our podcast alarm. I was going to say, no, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. We're, we're up at an hour. Um, Do you want to just let everybody know where to find you? And because we will, we will post this along with the submission window. You could tell people, you know, where, where to find the website and submit. Sure. Um, you can find the submission information and other Little Thoughts information at littlethoughtspress.com. Um, be plain and simple. And we are on Twitter um, at LTPMag. Um, we also have an Instagram account, but I'm very bad at keeping up with that. Um, that's the, um, at Little Thoughts Press. <laughs> Me too. Yes. Same. Yeah, I, I kind of hate Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Social media is not my strong suit, um, but I will, I'm trying to be better about it. Um, but yeah, any information that you need in terms of publishing schedules, the theme, um, the actual like submission forms will be on our website, littlethoughtspress.com. And I should have the new theme up um, and ready to go open for submissions by mid-August. Awesome. Awesome. I tell you what, as an end, ending thought, all you need to do is print off your tweets and your Instagram posts. So you've got that physical record of a, a digital <laughs> thing. So just a, just a little bit of advice from me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, Claire, thank you so, so much for coming on. It was really nice to finally talk with you. Yeah, this is lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening this week. 
Find all of our episodes and other associated links and information at linktree.com slash verse show. Or reach out to us on Twitter. Thanks again, and we'll see you next verse. Bye.